Do you believe that God is in control of all our days? Amen. That's a great thought as we come off of uh, singing that song this morning because it's going to be central to what we're going to look at uh, in the scriptures today. We're in a small series entitled Knowing the Why. And we're asking this one word question, why? And it deals with the vision. It deals with why we exist. Why in the world is Marquette Community Church here? Why, I mean, as we said a couple of weeks ago, Marquette County doesn't just need another church. There's a reason, there's a point, there's a vision to why we are here. Why do we exist? Why do we do what we do? And the biggest question is, why does it even matter? Why does it matter? Is this just something for you to do on Sunday to kind of get you out of the house and just kind of hang out and, and be around other people? Or what's the point? And we said from the very beginning, and want to make this point again, the reality is, is that the churches that do not understand the why die. You can go through all the motions. You can go through all the things of what a church is supposed to do. But if you don't understand why you do it or what the motive behind it is, then you're not going to succeed. And that's what we've been looking at. And we discussed that our foundation, the reason why we do anything and everything we do, is because of evangelism. We talked about the fact that evangelism is kind of going by the wayside, even in the evangelical church. And we basically stated that we exist to invest in reaching the communities with the gospel because people matter to God and they matter to us. And then last week we discussed our foundation uh, or continue with our foundation with our vision. And we learned that as followers of Jesus, we are to renounce the world and walk with God. But we can't do it alone. We need others to come alongside of us. We need others to build us up. And as we talked about even in our announcements, we talked about relaunching our small group ministry so that we can do life together. The greatest way for you to grow in the Lord is to have someone grow with you, isn't it? To walk with you and to, and to make, uh, help you as you go. And today now, the Apostle Paul is going to draw our attention to the return of Christ. Jesus is coming again. We've used uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 as our vision text. This is our vision text that we use. And uh, Paul has been walking us through this, talking to his apprentice Titus, and how this applies to our life and why we adopted this to, to be our vision. So let's read it together once again uh, in its entirety. Verse number 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Today we're going to look at verse number 13. And to, let's pull that out and look at that uh, by itself. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. But here's the question, and the one we have to answer today, the one we have to understand. Why is it important that we understand that Jesus is coming again. Why is this important to us? Why does it even matter? Why in the world would Paul even put this in what he's saying to Titus? It's almost as if it's kind of like just 
throwing in there. Is it really important? But yes, it is. It's so vitally important that we understand that Jesus is coming back. So let's lay some foundation here to understand this. And the fact is, is that one day Jesus will return. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself promised that he's coming again. John, uh, in his gospel, the Apostle John, records the very words of Jesus. And Jesus says this to his disciples and to us, Let not your hearts be troubled. Isn't that great that God is worried about how you feel? Don't you like that? He says, hey, don't, don't worry. I love that. Don't, don't, be, don't let your hearts be troubled. And at this point, his disciples were very anxious. Have you ever been anxious? <laughs> I think maybe in the days that we live in right now might be a little anxious. And you know what Jesus says? Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you will be also. Jesus has promised that He's coming. And at His coming, He has promised that those dead and alive who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ will go back to heaven with Him where He is. Those who have understood that they're a sinner and that Jesus died and bore their sin on the cross and and put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who have by faith asked Him to come and be Lord of their life, those who are saved is what we use the term, those who've accepted Jesus Christ, those are who Jesus is coming back for. Oh, but here's the big question, when? When? When is this going to happen? When's he going to come? As a matter of fact, the reality is is that Paul, when he wrote this to Titus, it was almost 2,000 years ago. I mean, I've heard about waiting on someone, but my goodness, right? 2,000 years. And Jesus, when he said his words, was even before that. And the Bible tells us, Peter tells us plainly that there's going to be people, and there are today, and there are many, and have been for years, that says, oh, that Jesus, he's not coming back. That's that's just goofiness. What are you guys worried about? He's not going to happen. It's not going to take place. But I want you to understand that if Jesus said he would do something, he will do it. He's coming back. It's going to happen. And his words were very, very clear. But no man knows the day nor the hour. But let me tell you this. You want a little insight? You want a little secret? I'm going to tell you when he's coming. You ready? Ready? Mark this down. Soon. Soon. If it's already been 2,000 years, every minute of the clock moves us that much closer and that much faster to his return. It could even be today. could even be today. But even though we don't know the day nor the hour, the Apostle Paul told us in his letter to the Thessalonican church that we can see the signs and we can recognize the seasons of His coming. As a matter of fact, the Scriptures tell us that Jesus Himself, the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Peter have all given us signs in the Scriptures to tell us, to let us know what this season looks like for us to be able to uh, measure and see when Jesus is going to come back. And as we look at the signs of the times, as we look at the season that we are in right now, I believe that His coming is very, very soon because what the Scriptures tell us, well, 
what the Scriptures tell us isn't really all that exciting. It's kind of hard. Because the Scriptures tell us very plainly that as time gets closer to His return, this world will be worse and worse and worse. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, they will be, these days, those times will be difficult times, hard times, right? And I don't know why we think or, or what, what we get in our mind when we read something like that, that it's just going to be like, ah, it's just going to be okay. Because I don't know, if you had someone come up to you that was having a bad day and they said to you, it was a difficult day, don't they look and act like it was really a bad day? And Paul says it's going to be difficult times. He, he explains to us in detail about what it's going to look like. He says in verse number uh, 1, 2 Timothy, writing to his apprentice, Timothy now, another pastoral apprentice of his, write, writes these words. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, or in other words, in the days that are getting close to the return of Jesus, there will come times of what? Will you say that out loud, church? Difficulty. All right. So can I stress to you that they will not be easy but difficult days? And he explains to us why they are going to be difficult days. And he explains to us exactly what man is going to look like during these difficult days. And just listen to this list. Don't respond, but think to yourself, I've heard this before. For people will be lovers of self. Number one is the only one that's important. It's all about me, only me. Lovers of money. I'm going to do anything I can to get, get my money. Proud, arrogant, abusive. Isn't it amazing how abusive the language is, that is used today? I mean, isn't it amazing? No one has any restraint anymore. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. This one jumped out at me. Brutal. Have you noticed how brutal our society has become? Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I need to pause here because that's a very important statement and you need to understand this. What Paul is saying is all these other things were like, yeah, that's in the world, that's in the world, that's in the world. But when he says here, but the, uh, having just a form of godliness or the appearance of godliness, but denying his power, you know where that is? That's in the church. The church is not immune. Paul says avoid such people. And listen to what he says. He says, For among them are those who creep into houses and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions. And this phrase always gets me. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That one just chalks up to me going, where has common sense gone? Right? And just as Janus and Jambres, if you don't know those names, they were the magicians who were uh, the Egyptian magicians that opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. If that doesn't describe the times in which we live, I don't know what does. This is so evident. 
Jesus said these words about uh, the world, says that Jesus spoke of wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, earthquakes, natural disasters, and the heart of man being as wicked as possible as we saw Paul just say. Jesus even using the imagery of birthing pains of a woman in labor to describe the intensity of what is going on. If you're a mother today, you understand that when that labor kicks in until that birth, those birthing pains become horrible, hard, difficult. Give me medicine. Give me painkillers. Help me out here. My wife took all the painkillers she wanted. For me, I was fine. I don't know what the problem was. But you understand the intensity of that. In other words, can I put it to you this way? The world at the time when Jesus is going to return will intensely be pulling itself apart. The world will be intensely pulling itself apart. How many, have we, how many times have we said, how many times have we mentioned even here that it just seems like the earth is spinning off its axis, is pulling itself apart, it's falling apart from the scenes, it's coming apart from the scenes. Let me just give you a list of some things that has already been mentioned that are happening right now in our world today. The world will be pulling itself apart with natural disasters. Earthquakes. Do you know that they register earthquakes happening on our planet every single day? Every day. Not big magnitude ones, but happen, and, and larger ones are happening. Uh, tsunamis are happening. Uh, Philippines just had a, a volcanic eruption uh, over there. Natural disasters that are happening. And yes, what falls underneath natural disasters also are pandemics. Does that sound familiar? Wars will be breaking out everywhere. Just did a real simple Google search on this, came right up. It says, according to the Council of Foreign Relations, Global conflict, conflict Tracker. Did you even know there was a Global Relations Conflict Tracker? There are currently 27, 27 ongoing wars taking place in our world right now. Not just Russia and Ukraine. Conflicts all over the world, worldwide. Jesus said nation will rise against nation. This is so very interesting. I don't know if you know this, but the word nation here, whenever we see it in, in the Scriptures, the Greek word is ethnos. It is the word that we get uh, ethnic from. Nation, nation against nation does not mean country against country. Rather, it means racial wars. Or can I give you a simple word? Racism. Which is all over our world today. And you say, Pastor Mike, wait a minute. Time out. Hasn't every generation had some of this? Haven't we seen this in every generation? And your answer, the answer to that would be yes, However, we need to understand that we are the very first generation to have all of this happening at one time, or at, at the very least, all of us knowing that it's happening at the very same time. It is our technology that has allowed us <clears throat> to be the first generation ever to be able to know that all of this is happening all over the globe, and we're able to know when it happens in real time. Immediately, when it takes place, we can know exactly what is happening? So the point to this, and the point that I'm making to you, is that it is evident. And many who study eschatology are saying the very same thing, that we are in the last of the last days. Jesus is coming, and His coming is soon, and sooner than you think. Are you ready? He's coming. 
Now, as a result of knowing this, the Apostle Peter tells us in uh, his epistle these things, very important for us to know. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's heart is that the world comes to know Him as Lord and Savior. And in reference to these last days, he says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. No one knows when it will happen. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now listen carefully. Paul says, or excuse me, Peter says, since we know this, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since we know that the king is coming and what life is going to be like, he asks this question, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness. In other words, since you know this is coming, how should you live your life? How should you be living? What should be dominant in your life? The signs are clear. The season we're in, I believe, with all of my heart is the last days. Let me even add this to this point. We are in the last days, whether or not Jesus comes or not, because you only have a certain amount of days. You understand that? It's either the last days for all of us, it could be close to the last days for you. We only have a certain amount of time. As a result, it is more important than ever since we recognize this, that we live holy and godly lives. But what in the world does that even mean? Again, I like, we like to use these church words, right? Live holy, live godly. I got it. Let's go live like the world. We don't know. What does it mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. The word holy means to live separated from the world and separated unto God. It literally means that we cling to God instead of the world. Do you get the picture? We cling to God. We hold on to Him, not to this world. The word godly means to obey God and to trust Him, meaning that our entire life is governed by God's Word and that our complete trust is placed in God and not in man. I sum this up into one statement for you. It's going to be on the screen says in order for us to live this way, to live holy and godly means that we are to completely cling to God, obeying and following His Word, and completely trust Him as we walk through these very tense and tumultuous days. In other words, how are we to live holy and godly? What does that mean? We are to live without fear. We are to live without fear. Have you noticed that everything in our world, especially, especially since the beginning of our, the pandemic and even before then, is designed to make you afraid? Have you noticed that? It's all about fear. Fear controls. Now listen, there's a huge difference between healthy and unhealthy fear. Fear in and of itself is not wrong. Not at all. Fear that causes you to respect 
a situation and be cautious is actually good. And God designed us to have that fear so that we have respect and are cautious in things. However, I want you to understand, church, we have passed healthy fear in our world a long time ago. Fear is irrational. Fear is a controlling. And the result of this unhealthy fear is division. And hatred. This world, the fear that we are walking in, the fear that is happening in this world, and is, is causing hatred and division. It's evident in our world, it's evident in our country, and unfortunately, it is evident in our churches. And don't think for one second it's any different in our church. We're not immune. But listen very carefully. It has to stop. It has to stop. But how? How does it stop? Well, Paul tells us exactly in our text. Tells us exactly how we are to stop the division. Stop the fear. Stop the hatred that, that is taking place in the world and in the church. Paul tells us exactly how. And once again, I want to draw your attention back to our, our verse and just one simple word in that verse. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope. Hope is the answer. Hope is what we need, and hope is what the world needs. Now, as I've always said, when we come to the word hope in the Scriptures, it's not the way that we define hope in the world. It's not a hope so. It's not, I hope this is going to happen, or I'm going to wring my hands until it happens, or I'm going to worry, I hope, I hope, I hope. No, it is a sure confidence. It is knowing beyond knowing that this is true. A sure confidence in knowing that Jesus is coming again that he's going to return he's going to take his bride home but here's the question and here's what you might be thinking i know i thought this when i when i wrote this in my notes great he's coming but what do we do until then right he's up there in heaven i gotta live through this place here right listen carefully if we have the sure promise of his return listen now then we have the sure promise that everything is happening according to His plan. We forget this. You see, I say something quite often to you. God is in control. And you go, Amen! But that's not just a rallying cry. That is an absolute truth. You see, we say amen when we're in church and we're sitting here and, yeah, amen, amen. And then we get home, we go, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. If God's in control on Sunday in here, then he's in control on Monday through Saturday out there. And he's still in control out there on Sunday, too. Dave used a word up here when he was leading worship. So one of these big words that we use. God is completely sovereign. Do you know what that means? Completely in control. Not ever out of control. <clears throat> nothing, listen church, nothing, absolutely nothing happens in this world 
with God either doing it or allowing it. Let me let you think about this for a minute. I'm just going to ask you some questions. Just think in your mind here for just a second. Do you think this pandemic was a surprise to God? Do you think that God had no clue about COVID-19? Do you think that He manufactured this vaccine and it happened when His back was turned? Do you think that he, He was absent from any meeting that this current or any other administration has ever had? Do you think he was surprised by any decision that this administration has made or any governmental person on the globe? Do you think that inflation caught God unaware? Do you think that God is surprised at all about what is going on anywhere in the world? I don't believe God has said to any one of his angels, hey, did you see that? I didn't know that was going on. Did you know that? Why didn't you inform me? No. Do you think, listen now, do you think that anything that happens in this world will ever change or stop God's plan? No. And of course, most of you here are saying, no, of course not. This is the part where I step on everybody's toes, including mine. Are you ready? Then it's time to stop giving God lip service and start living in hope. We, even as a church, are too consumed about stuff that is going on in politics and in COVID and in the world today that we are totally and absolutely walking away from the truth of God. We say we believe it, but we don't live it. It's time, listen, I'm going to say something here that's going to make you mad, and everybody's going to be mad at me today. That's quite all right. I love you in Jesus, and I'm saying this because I love you, but listen, turn off the news. Turn it off. Now listen, that also, and this is hard, that also includes the Christian news that is more worried about letting you know what's happening about the other party or, whole, or what the world is doing than telling you about Jesus. I flipped through too many Christian stations listening to all this stuff that's going bad, going bad, going bad, and they never ever mention Jesus in the middle of it. They never ever tell you there's hope. They just tell you what's going on, what's bad. That's not what God wants. Now listen, there's absolutely nothing with being uh, informed, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But can I say a statement here that in love to you that has been on my heart for a long time? Church, if we knew our Bibles half as much as we knew the statistics in the news, our life would be drastically changed. I have people coming to me all the time, Peter, why don't you tell them about this? Why don't you tell them about that? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? All they need is Jesus. This world is wicked. It will do what it will do. And God knows, and God will allow what happens to happen, and if he doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. God is in control. Stop living in fear. Stop living in fear. The days of your life are numbered, and only God knows them. Stop living in fear. 
and start living in hope. Separate yourself from the world and cling to God. Know and obey His Word and trust Him completely. Don't be naive, but don't live in fear. You know why? Here's the why. The world needs hope. The world needs to see that we are hopeful. The world needs to see that we serve a God, that any of this stuff that happens doesn't affect me because I'm holding on to Him. You want to draw the world to Jesus Christ? Hold on to God. Let him see what it truly means to live in a wicked, sinful world that is going to hell, but you're on your way to heaven. Let him see what's different. The world has to know. This is why this is so very important. We have the hope, or I hope you do. Paul, writing to Timothy, encouraging Timothy, said these words, and if you're saved today, these words apply to you. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power. You have nothing to fear. Trust God. But church, this is, we're allowing this to t- overtake us. We're allowing this to come in. We're allowing this to come even into our doors and into the, the church today. We see it happening and we see this world is divided and we see fear and hatred are the name of the game. But it cannot be amongst us. It cannot come here. As a matter of fact, one last passage of Scripture to close our service this morning, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, There's one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Now look at this. Who is over all and through all and in all? We know what that means? Nothing is out of God's control. Nothing. And if you know Him, If you know him, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. So can I challenge you with these last words? Walk in hope, not in fear. When this world is falling apart, we should be singing praises to our God. Because he's in control and he's coming to get us. Walk in hope, not in fear. Will you stand with me this morning in God's house? Our praise team is going to come. We're going to be dismissed with that last song that they sang entitled, You're the God of all my days. Father, you are the God of all our days. You are the God that is in control. This world has no power over us. This pandemic, these things that are going on have no power over us because you are in control. And God, I want to be an encouragement today, and I pray that I've been an encouragement today, Lord, that You are in control and we have no reason to fear. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that when our hearts are troubled, you say to us, 
don't be worried. Greater are you that's in us than he that's in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.